This is the Premier League Preview Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Premier underscore podcast. Find us on Facebook under Premier League Preview Podcast or online at plpreview.com. Hello. Welcome to the Premier League Preview Podcast. Yeah, you're getting better at it every week. You're <laughs> starting know. to get the tongue twister down more. Flies off the tongue now. And I wouldn't mind, but this isn't even a preview podcast yeah. because it's International Week. Boo. Boo, Boo. indeed. Hate International Week. Okay, we said we wouldn't rant about International Week, so let's not. But yeah, it's a bit of a pain that the third week we've recorded our podcast, we have to do a review instead of uh, instead of a preview. Like so, yeah. Kind of. As well as that, like the season only got started, we were only getting to see what teams are like, and now yeah, there's a break. Form is broken. You know, you're worried about players coming back injured, and yeah, it's it's one of, it's one of those ones. Your your appetite has just kind of been wetted. You're into the kind of meat of the season you're not it's back it's back and then oh you have to watch montenegro on hungry on a thursday night instead and it's just yeah no just well let's not make this a negative podcast <laughs> yes let's try not to anyway. so we're going to use this podcast instead to be a season so far podcast and we're going to talk about the highs the lows and the var of the season so far oh, god yeah <laughs> the season so far yeah go on no massive surprises so far as far as the top of the table goes. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It looks like it's going to be a two-horse race again. And it's, from an outsider-looking-in perspective, it's kind of a bit depressing in a sense for maybe the neutral that it just looks like it's between Liverpool and Man City once again. And even after four games, that pattern is emerging Like, and there's a gap already developing. Back yeah. to some of it, like Leicester. Now, Leicester, in fairness, look like they may penetrate the top six this year. They have the squad and they're they're playing really attractive, good football. But other than that, like you can nearly see, you can nearly write the script for the season kind of already. Like, and I don't know, that might be kind of disheartening to some people. But if we get the title race even close to what we had last year, obviously it'll be very exciting. Yeah, I mean, you look at Spurs who finished third last year. There's seven points between them and Liverpool at the top of the table already. Jeez, yeah, yeah. It's... After four games played. <laughs> yeah it's it's depressing stuff it's kind of like when uh, a couple of years ago not definitely not this season a couple of years ago you had the likes of um, Barcelona sorry and Real Madrid in La Liga where they were so far clear yeah early and it just kind of stinks of that a bit like four games in and you're starting to see trends already at the top of the table it's kind of yeah although I'm I am a bit wary about jumping the gun so soon I mean it is very early in the season Liverpool do have a thin enough squad in in relation to Manchester City and just because it's been like that for the first four weeks doesn't mean it's got to be that way for the rest of the season so while it looks like a two horse race at the moment it may not pan out to be that way yeah and I think with Liverpool's fixture list in the next it could be just a one horse race (laughs) yeah it it very well could because Liverpool have a, a tough what you'd maybe call a seven week tough seven week period you've three Champions League games two of which are no gimmies and then you have Leicester, uh, Spurs, um, you have United. You have a lot. You've a lot of games. You've a lot of tough games. Yeah, yeah. In in that period, and now Newcastle at home is their next fixture. You'd want to be winning that realistically. Like you, you can't see any other result. Well, but Pochettino wanted to win that game at home. Yeah, well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, Liverpool do have a couple of a t- a tough couple of weeks, and if one of the front three were to go down or if the big man at the back were to go down things would get very interesting like but 
and it, well, it would probably get very uninteresting to be honest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because probably. it would look like it would be a one horse race, like with the city look like they're gonna score four goals every game they're playing again every this season and just tear teams apart. So yeah, like the, you needed God Himself on Spurs side to get a, a draw off a of city. Yeah, I suppose. Know. The two kind of surprise names in the, the top of the table at the moment are Leicester City and Crystal Palace. Mm. Crystal Palace, who I tipped to be one of the relegated teams. <laughs> Sitting pretty in fourth spot at yeah. the moment. Ah, but in fairness, if you look at their goals for and against, three goals scored and, and two goals conceded in four games is fairly pathetic stuff. And yeah. to be honest about it, three points to them against Villa at the weekend was an absolute gift because Villa were absolutely robbed of a goal yeah. and they, their their players were less than complimentary about the VAR system that we're going to get onto fairly soon because as uh, as as my as my father would say a blind dog with a mallet up his arse would have would have awarded that goal to Villa <laughs> but uh, obviously VAR decided not a goal but um, yeah we'll get onto that soon but Palace is as you say things are going to change just because trends are after rising after four weeks, that is a trend that's going to <laughs> that is going to change and yeah. it will change quickly because Palace will will won't be as stingy at the back all season and like they won't probably create that many goals. Three goals in four games is by no means likely when you look at the teams around them, Liverpool have twelve scored, City of fourteen, Leicester above them have six, Arsenal below them have six, you know. Yeah. It, it, they're not gonna survive there for too long with, with skimpy nil alls and and true they're enough, gonna, I mean they're it, gonna free fall. It, it's only a matter of time before Spurs get their act together and start climbing back up the table. Um, mm, and yeah, I mean, if you're going to have your your kind of dip, the first four games of the season is to do is the time to do it, really, isn't it? And then kick on from there. So, yeah, but you're just hoping that how frequent are the dips is the is the thing with Spurs? Will they go back to being Spursy as as we uh, we used yeah. to all love flouting about a couple of years ago? That is the worry. I I was reading an interesting piece recently about Harry Kane about that he just shouldn't play against big teams and that he's the way he's, he plays his style just doesn't suit Spurs when they play a bit against the so-called big teams and that he should be left out and that his record speaks again for that that mm. he's kind of what they call in horse racing a flat track bully he'll beat he'll beat the he'll beat the small fields and he'll beat the the, the worst teams but when it comes to the big day kind of can often go missing so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if their talisman is shown up this season against the big, the, the so-called bigger teams, yeah. and if that transpires, you're relying on Sun to take up a lot of the work because there aren't many goal scores. Like Deli Ali doesn't look like he's in form at all at the minute. So, where are the goals coming from? Like Ericsson is a great creator, but he'll only chip in with so many goals every season. And yeah. we all know what happened with him earlier this year. So it's just it's an interesting one for Spurs. If Kane doesn't get his act together, they could be in trouble going forward. Yeah. And if he doesn't stop diving and yeah. trying try to win Thanos. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah. think, I think Son is an excellent deputy to have there and he's going to score goals. He's a great player. Mm. I also think Lucas Mora doesn't get enough of a shout in that team. Yeah. I was surprised again at the weekend that he, he wasn't starting. I, I'd, I would have him like his form in the Champions League semi-final was just incredible. He, like as, as a Liverpool fan, I was terrified at the prospect of him playing in the Champions League final, mm-hmm. and he didn't even get a start. Like, yeah, and like when I when when you're an opposing team and you see he's not on the team sheet, you're like, oh, thank God. Mm. Uh, yeah, for sure. I I I don't I, I I didn't get it. I don't get it. Obviously, there's something there. Maybe his application isn't what Pochettino uh, asks for in training or something like that. It's hard to know, but um. Yeah, and obviously we touched on another problem Spurs have at the minute is right back. Uh, yeah. 
like Sanchez, Davison Sanchez was treading water. He looked like a fella who was running on fumes at the end of the game against Arsenal last weekend. And I just don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Last week. Well, when you're listening to this, it'll be about a week ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, like he was running on fumes. He clearly didn't have the, the fitness or the stamina for right full compared to a centre back position. And but it, it's, it's a, it was a weird decision because he, wa- he wasn't the only choice. There was two recognised mm. right backs not selected for the game. Walker Peters could have played. I know he's only young and it's in Ortlund Derby, so maybe he didn't want to risk him in that sort of game. Yeah, but Arsenal are playing the likes of Willock, Chris Nelson, Maitland-Niles. They're playing a lot of young players. Like, you have to take chances. Exactly, exactly. And the other right-back, the ex-PSG player. Aurier, Serge Aurier. Aurier. Aurier was fit and and ready to play. So, it was a strange selection. I heard Pochettino said that when they were scouting Sanchez, they seen him playing right back at previous clubs um, but you should have known after 20-30 minutes this guy needs to come off we need to get a proper recognised right back in yeah. that position 100% like you could see it everyone watching the game at home could see it and Gary Neville commented on it saying like it's clear as day that Sanchez is being torn apart here on the left hand side he just like down Arsenal's left flank yeah. they were continually putting the ball in there continually putting him under pressure and yet they didn't change it. He was clearly in, under pressure. He was tired. You, yeah. He was struggling to even move up with the line when they when they cleared. And it was just like, come on, come on. You have to do something here. You have to do something. But no, they, they left it as was. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there going forward. But that's another issue. If like yeah. if we were, if we and everyone else at home was watching it, all the other Premier League teams are watching it. And if, that, if they start with that back four again, there's only one place that ball is going to be going. It's going to be down his throat all yeah, game. Like. Absolutely. Let's, I mean, we're going to talk about Arsenal next because they're they're in fifth position and they've had an interesting start to the season. But just on the North London Derby as a whole, seeing as it was the biggest game of, of the, the week we've just had, what a game. Yeah, that was a, it was a cracker. It was one of those white knuckle rides where anything could have happened. Topsy-turvy, momentum swings, loads of chances, tip, yeah. a lot of passion, which is nice to see because a lot of these big games can can be kind of flat and edgy, but there was just played, on, played off the cuff and it was really entertaining. It was, it was. And I know a lot of people were shouting the rhetoric that, uh, you know, Spurs threw it away absolutely not they clung on they clung on they <laughs> yeah. clung on and you can't I, simultaneously throw a game away and cling on exactly <laughs> exactly but I don't think at any point in the entire 95 minutes of order or whatever of the game that either team had control there was no point that either team had control no. of the game it was just it was end to end manic football yeah that's you often see that uh, with especially with Arsenal games you often yeah. see with Arsenal Liverpool too as you said about control mm. In those games, neither team actually ever really has the control. Now, obviously, in recent years, Liverpool have started to dominate. But in, I'm on about in maybe two to three years ago, back to maybe seven or eight years ago, that time period, those games kind of just existed. And whatever happened, happened. And yeah. people walked away then. There was no control or foothold. It was just like it was manic lunacy and whatever. You, It was just kind of implementing skill and will over another team. But there was no real method to the madness it was just lunacy and yeah. that's kind of what like, this was like it was frantic and it was edge of the seat stuff like yeah I also read today that it's the most lucrative football match in the UK how is that now is uh, what like is that in I'm, in terms of the money that it generates for both clubs it's the most lucrative football match I would have had uh, Liverpool United at the top of that one yeah but... I know and I was surprised by it because I've always read you know that the championship playoff final is you know most, biggest yeah. but that that apparently is imagined money. 
that's mm. money that they could earn by going into the Premier League. I have, yeah. But in terms of actual money from a game, the North London Derby is the, the most financially lucrative game. Uh, we must look into that and find out the, the devil in the detail areas. Yeah. That interests me now because I would not have guessed. I like obviously it's one of the pr- biggest games in the Premier League. Yeah, but I would have guessed maybe a Manchester derby or the Liverpool United rivalry would have been bigger. Like, but yeah. no, geez, that's interesting now. Maybe they just charge a lot for pies in the Emirates. Yeah, stadium. they could be. Or <laughs> maybe Spurs are trying to recoup the losses uh, from the the new stadium and charging twenty quid for your beer that pours itself from the bottom up. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't know. So that's uh, brings us nicely onto Arsenal and. Unai Emery, who appears to be at a loss as to what to do with his team and how to get his players into the team. I'd like it's it seems to be one of those, you know, that a nice awkward situation that he has mm-hmm. so many good players that he's trying to work out how to get them all into the team and how to get the best out of them. It looked like in the North London Derby he took Liverpool as a template. Yeah, and decided to play four three three. Even, but not only just playing his three attacking players up front, but picking his three most workman like midfielders yeah. to go behind it, which is a very, very much how Liverpool got through all of last season. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, Arsenal don't have Virgil Van Dijk at the back. No, they've David Luiz. <laughs> they've David Luiz. Um. And Socrates, I. who is a lunatic. I think they're the three they played up front are they're three solid number nines you know they're mm-hmm. not you'd, on the left and right you'd, they're not Salah mm-hmm. and Mane no but I mean you can't blame him with the players he has trying to imitate that formation that's been so successful yeah. for Liverpool but it, like he's got the three up front don't get me wrong are, are excellent and they're oh, going to yeah, be brilliant fantastic. in any game but Granit Xhaka is an absolute liability in that 100%. midfield he like, must he must have the record for most fouls given away in the last few years in the Premier League. He has to have like what does he actually do? I don't know. He rugby plays rugby. He's very like he's he. I've seen him scoring two or three goals from twenty five yards. Yeah, he's an absolute rocket of a boot. We know that, but like he like he. I think he had nine tackles, nine fouls, nine fouls, yeah, nine fouls in the game before he even got a card. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> some, of them, some, some of them were hefty. Like yeah. he didn't even get a card for the penal. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I know he's there to kind of hassle, break up play in that, but I don't think he's effective enough and I don't think he's disciplined enough for that type of play either. So I do, I'm at a loss to see. I think his days in that middle three are relatively numbered. I think yeah. he's been found out in the Premier League. He's a right, he's remi- I said it the other day, he reminds me a lot of Lee Cattermore. Yeah. <laughs> for the Sunderland team, like he just goes around breaking people up and getting committing foul after foul after foul. And how he doesn't get booked more is... Yeah. is amazing to me to me he's like an old stu- an old style player for which there is no room in the Premier League anymore yeah like you have to be more the type of Fabinho kind of guy now you can't just go around being in- indisciplined and being the hard man in- yeah. as a defensive midfielder or a sitting midfielder just doesn't work like that like. but it's it's been a long time since the Premier League has needed players like that yeah, like, I mean that went out like McAuley changed that role in yeah. the Premier League f- yeah. for forever yeah. You know, and Makalelia, and then it became Essien, and then Fernandinho did it, yeah. and you know, Fierro was good at it. We had and Mascherano when he was yeah. at Liverpool. You know, players who know when to tackle to make and complete a tackle, they know when to foul. That's probably what Jack fell right. That's probably what Jack yeah. lacks the opposite of that when not. Exactly, those boys were had guile, they had tradecraft, like yeah. they knew what they were doing. They were 
just brilliant at it. They were the masters of the dark arts. Yeah. He isn't. He's headless. Like he kind of does things and you're wincing going, what were you thinking yeah, there? Yeah. You know, so I'd, I I think he, I, I think it'll be, I think you'll see Torreira in there more. I think yeah. as the season progresses and I just, and Guendouzi in fairness to him was very good. Yeah, he in, was. In, in and which his, his he pass takes a lot for the of goal flack. was beautiful. Like Maybe it's the sideshow Bob haircut. I don't know, but he takes a lot of flack. Yeah. He's young though. I think people forget he's young as well. But I think you're going to see more of those. You're going to see less of Xhaka. Yeah. But it appears when I Emery's thing is, what we were talking about already a few weeks ago, it kind of seems to be up to Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool era. It's thrown off, you know what, at a wall, and it has some of it has to stick. He's just got, it appears he's just going to go gung-ho yeah, because yeah. they are seeing it here. They, now, they haven't scored that many goals. They've scored six, but they've conceded six. It seems to me like they're going to win a lot of games, 3-2, yeah. or a lot of two-alls, as we saw at the weekend, or the weekend previous. So I'm just going to keep saying that now because yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep yeah. saying it. But um, yeah, basically, he's... It appears like if you're an Arsenal fan, you better strap in because it's going to be an interesting one. But, like, I think we saw, unless you have a, unless you find a way for that system to be maximised and try and keep damage limitation at its minimum and maximise the goals, it doesn't pay dividends too often. It really, really doesn't pay dividends. And I don't think Arsenal have a solid enough midfield for that system to pay dividends. I think they're going to be caught a lot and especially in the big games and that's where your Champions League places are picked up and that's where your your big games are won because you have that solidity because the big teams will take if you give them an opportunity they will pick you apart like it's as simple as that and that's what's going to happen to Arsenal I know know we've hammered David Luiz in the podcast over the last couple of weeks but his partner in crime isn't much better exactly what I was getting at I'd never (laughs) realised What a liability he is. He's he, insane. He, he's insane. He's crazy. And then when it was only in the North London Derby last week when I was looking at him and going, he's like this every week. Yeah. he's. I think he befits uh, his nation, his home nation a lot. They tend to be fairly hot blooded. And yeah, Socrates is, is mad. He's yeah. fully mad. And like he was lucky enough not, he, he got involved in the aggro when the game got heated. And I won, I can't remember if it was Gary Neville or the other, I think it was Martin Tyler. Yeah, no, my memory's gone. But um, they said like he's just like this every game. He just wants to fight people every game. He has to be in the middle of everything, and that's all well and good if it spurs your team on. But you have to be on top of that as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to. It has to be bottled aggression. But I don't know if he has that bottled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. he he seems to me as a type of fellow who can blow the the, the gasket fairly quickly. So it'll be interesting but to I, see him going far. But I, uh, I don't know. I that centre back partnership is just crying out to be exposed and yeah it's it is it, it kind of already is to be it honest. is it is massively i mean it's okay to have one one head case in your defense if you have someone who's beside them to control them and yeah. calm them and tell them what to do but when they're both live wires poof, you're yeah. just you're asking for trouble <laughs> big time and louise <laughs> strikes me as the type of guy who can turn sour as well and he he could become kind of uninterested yeah if he sees socrates losing the head a lot and the defense is kind of being penetrated regularly. He doesn't strike me as the type of a leader that's going to ra- rally around the flag and get Absolutely everyone not. on no, the same no. hymn sheet. He just so he's going to down tools. He's just going to do what he wants, not defend. Yeah. And again, it just it basically it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's going to keep getting worse and worse. And I just I think you're going to see Arsenal trying to make moves for someone at Christmas. Now again, it'll be interesting to see when Kieran Tierney goes in there. Yeah, will he live up to the somewhat hype? Like it's not as if he's been hyped up as the the solution to their problems, but a lot of people are interested to see what he can translate from the SP, SPFL. Will it work? Yeah, I was very much expecting to, with Monreal being sold, 
right before the North London derby, I was very much expecting to see Tierney playing. Mm. I don't think game. he was fit, fully he's fit. still not fit, no. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he, I don't know if he'll be ready after the international break or not, but um, be interesting to see. That might help the back four, but they need it, like, they need it yeah, quickly too. Absolutely. Um, we'll take a little break there and we'll come back and talk about a, another very suspect back four, which is uh, Chelsea. <laughs> Welcome back. Now, let's talk about Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. As we expected again, it's almost like Arsenal. It seems like they're having no real trouble scoring, but my God, they're having trouble uh, with conceding. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of it, that back four again is extraordinarily suspect. Like it is porous, is what you'd call it. Yeah, I I, I mean, N'Golo Kante and... uh, Rudiger can't come back soon enough for, for Frank Lampard. Um, I do think he's in a fortunate position that he's going to be given enough grace to buy his own players mm. because of the transfer ban they have there. But I don't know how long the fans are going to put up with what's happening. It's it's hard like because in a lot of in a good few of the games this season that they've played. They've looked great going forward. Like they look like really exciting, playing lovely football. Obviously, the young lad before he got injured, Mount is look was looking good. Um, Pulisic is playing relatively well. Um, Tammy Abraham is near top goal scorer in the league. Like yeah, yeah after us kind of trashing him a bit. Well, we didn't trash him. We just questioned was he ready or not, and yeah. it appears he is. Obviously, because he he scored four goals, and um, it's just they it's fine going forward, but like. We were t- we've t- we've touched on Zuma that he's just not ready. He's n- yeah. he's not sorry he's not up to it, and he isn't like to be honest about it. And now while he got a bit unlucky with the own goal at the weekend, Sheffield United were all over him in the second half, all over him. Yeah, they couldn't like it, it, the goal couldn't have been any more expected. Like it wasn't it didn't come out a flash in the pan. Like yeah, know? he he is on un- he's unfortunate in the sense that because he's had a, a bad few of the games, he's going to be a target for a lot of teams now. Yeah. And I think he needs to be. If 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 Frank Lampard has faith in him, that's that's brilliant. That's to be commended. But I think he needs to be rested for a few games because he's just going to keep getting targeted, keep making mistakes, and the lad's confidence is just going to go completely. Big time, big time. He just just doesn't look up to it. Um, it has to be Rudiger and Christensen when when, yeah. when that partnership is available. It just has to be like, as Pilaqueta, or is he slowing down a bit? I'd maybe um, I, am I being hypercritical there now? Is he just maybe being? I know that bad? the two goals against Sheffield United both came down, down his, his side. His yeah. side, but I think, I think he's trying to. Be trying to do two jobs. He's trying to do two jobs at once, and he's getting caught out because he's trying to cover for his bad defense. I said it last week on the podcast, and I I I stand by what I said. I think Frank Lampard has to be looking at putting Aspuliqueta as a centre half. Playing someone at right, even yeah. playing play Zuma a right back if he has to, but he needs to sort out the centre part of that. Would Zuma defense. have the mobility for the wing though? Like, I don't know, because he looks to me like a fairly quintessential centre half. If you get me, I don't know if yeah. you have that, that ex- maybe explosiveness or agility that you need and to get up and down the flank constantly. It's a hard place to play. And or, sure. I don't know if you'd have it, but as you said, it, the, cent- the centre-half partnership just can't continue to be so porous. No. Like, it can't. Like, they're going to suffer I mean, suffer for there's it. also an option to do what, uh, I think it was Conte at Chelsea did, and go for three at the back with Espilicueta in the middle of the three 
Zuma and Christians on either side of that and then play the wingers as wingbacks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, I wouldn't be against that actually. Yeah. But we're looking here, if, if nine goals conceded in four games, like that is atrocious. Like yeah, that's that a is problem, bottom like. half of the table stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Massively like. And most of those goals were against the two promoted sides. Yeah. True actually. Yeah, that's a valid point. That's, yeah, they yeah, haven't really played anyone like around their level. They haven't played Spurs or Arsenal or any of those type of teams. Mm, so yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, like they look good against Leicester, but Leicester obviously managed to get the draw. They did look good against them, and if mm. we're projecting that Leicester are going to break into the top six, then maybe they're up to it. But I don't know. I don't. I don't see Tammy Abraham being the twenty goal a season guy. And if he ain't, well, my mind is my mind is completely changed on Tammy Abraham. The I'm, way the way he took his last couple of goals, he has composure for oh, sure. Accomplished and, and finishes, yeah, and that's composure. I didn't think he had. I would yeah. have to say that, but I'm just I'm not the, the I'm not saying the jury is out. He's proven himself so far, but I'm just slightly worried that they could be relying on him a lot for goals. And I don't know if that's a lot of pressure for him. Will it will it continue to pay dividends? Yeah, it may it may, but. That's just a little worry for me. He seems to be the only string to their bow at the minute. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. That's dodge to me. To me, that's uh, with that back four, and then all the goal. Well, not all the goal scoring pressure, but a lot of the goal scoring pressure being on uh, such a young man's shoulders. That to me is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and, I think. I think when you think of their squad, just thinking about it now, I think all the pressure really is on Abraham to mm. score the goals. I mean, Pedro's got to come back. He's not a. He's not a centre forward. He's a winger who scores yeah, a few well, goals. 100%. Pulisic is going to score a few goals from midfield. You'd expect maybe Kovacic. The odd couple. The odd yeah, couple. Yeah. But the out now, the only out now goal scorer in the team at the moment is Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Even Giroud. Giroud is, is a centre forward, but he's not a goal scorer in centre forward. Like. No. In fairness, I, I, I always liked Giroud. I always thought he got a raw enough deal at Arsenal. Like I thought mm. he, he a lot of pressure was putting him and he got a lot of important goals for them at big, at big times and important times. He can't come up with goals. But he's not your week in, week out guy. No. He isn't. No, he's a compliment to a week in, week yeah. out guy, I find. Yeah. And if Tammy Abraham starts to maybe have a couple of a couple of game run where he's not scoring, he's not looking like scoring, he's not getting on the ball, maybe they'll try Giroud. And I don't know, he, I don't think he's the answer either. I just don't see Chelsea having that answer. Yeah. Now, I know they have about 437,000 players out on loan, but did they have, I don't think, if they had, if they had a goal scorer... It, a prolific goal scorer within that group, he'd have been called back. Exactly, yeah, before yeah, August. yeah. That's so, one. That's one thing about I like. I still haven't worked out what Chelsea's loan system is all about. I don't get it. I think I think is it um. Eventually, you have to find an, an August if you just dig so much dirt or something and just buy everyone, spread them out, and I, I, if we can recall a couple, we've done our job. I don't, I yeah, don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me because. As you say, with the transfer ban, if the any of these players were up to it, they'd be back. They'd mm. be back in the squad like Pulisic is. Yeah. But there's been quality players that they've had out on loan, like Lukaku in his mm. prime, like endless players I can name. Yeah. Even even Victor Moses was on on loan for forty two years before <laughs> he came back yeah. and and won the league with them. But like. <laughs> And and that's only because they couldn't get rid of him that season. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up being one of their better players yeah, in the exactly. second half of the season. Like right? it, it it's it's there has to be more to it on the business side that nobody understands. They have mm. to be I don't know what it is, but it because there's no other club that are doing it the way they're doing it. Yeah. Is it a case of I don't know, I probably But they're, they're they're buying players and immediately lending them back to the club that they're buying them from. Yeah. 
I don't know, maybe I'm going too hot takey tinfoil hat conspiracy, but their owner his money is comes from questionable sources. <laughs> well, this is, is what I'm trying, trying to, to hint at without he, saying yeah. it blatantly. <laughs> is, is he trying to pump a hell of a lot of money into a football club to rinse the money or, or to have assets that are tangible and are clean and that's a way of investing money into itself without if we've yeah. no podcast next week you know we've had a visit from the kgb yeah and there's no cathedrals near us that are worth visiting so don't even bother trying that excuse come <laughs> and take us out. yeah but um yeah look who knows that's probably casting aspersions come here i think it's safer if we just move on to united at this point yeah because we, we would want to get shot i don't yeah. want to be shot thank you though but um no but in all, in all seriousness um I think it's a kind of a head scratcher, but yeah, long to more of the story, they don't have someone in there, and they'll have to wait till the end of the transfer embargo, and then they can sign. Yeah, so uh, the end like, of the story is Lampard needs to sort out his defense, or time, he yeah, might not you can't, you can't offset a bad defense by scoring more goals. Exactly, it's kind of defense is the rock in which you build your team. Apart exactly, exactly. They don't have that rock, which brings us very nicely onto Manchester United <laughs> yeah I don't know what it is but there seems to be a lot of these so-called bigger teams that are just open wide open Grand Canyon open at the back yeah. and you have Manchester United again they just are loving throwing away games at the minute yes yeah. it's frustrating for fans I said in our first part, podcast at the start of the season that I reckon Steve Bruce will be the first manager to lose his job in the Premier League if things don't change very quickly at Manchester United I think Solskjaer it's edging ahead of them in that race yeah and what's actually funny is i think they have been slightly unlucky manchester united have the fourth best goal difference a scoring difference after four games in the league but there they sit in eighth because i think just the way the games have gone they've conceded late goals have signed against palace uh wolves you know like you're, you're like i i watched them at the weekend at st mary's against southampton they were never in the game until Southampton went down to 10 men. Yeah. And even then, they never looked like doing much. Mm, yeah. I know they got the early goal, but Southampton were the better team. Like, oh, by a mile. And like. not being able to put them away after going down yeah. to 10 men. Like, it did, Southampton, went down to 10, Southampton went down to 10 men in the 75th minute. Mm. So, like, you the, have the bones of 20 minutes. 20 there. minutes and to score did, a goal. That's like. when the legs are at their most tired as well. Yeah. You know, like, you. So I don't I don't know it's 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 worrying, all right? James, in fairness, we must say you're a cracker of a goal. Yeah, you could you we we, we slagged him about his celebrations and that, but yeah, if he had pulled off that celebration again after I'm, that goal, you I'm, you you wouldn't. Really. I'm still I'm still I'm still not sold on him as a player. Like mm. he seems to be. He reminds me very much of Coutinho a couple of seasons ago, where he just every time he gets the ball, he wants to he shoot. Wants to shoot. Yeah, 100%, but yeah. I don't see him doing a lot else creatively during the game. We'll see. I, I, I'm definitely very much in the camp of let's just watch him a bit more yeah. and see what happens. He is only still 21. Yeah. First four games in the Premier League. Has he scored three or two goals? I can't. I think he's two. Two. I think he's two. Yeah. But yeah, he was. He scored against Palace and he scored against uh, Southampton at the weekend. Mm. But um, there are flashes there that he's, he's obviously very, very talented. Yeah, uh, very talented and very, and very confident and yeah. very quick. Yeah. So... There are definitely components of a very, very good player there. Yeah. It's just interesting to see. I'd give him more time, but it's probably a hallmark of where Manchester United are now that they're willing to take chances and start yeah. flashes of talent now before yeah. you'd have to be very proven to get into the Oh, area. absolutely, yeah. Whereas now, 
yeah, they have to take chances. It's just the way it is. They're yeah, hoping yeah. things will go right. I think Juan Basaka started the season, even though they're not, they're, but the team aren't doing great. I think Basaka has started excellently. He continued on exactly where he left off at Palace. I think he's a quality defender. I think his tackles are, his, his timing in his tackles are impeccable. Mm. And it's, it's refreshing to see a young tackling right back in the Premier League. Yeah. Because even if, if you look at all the all the right backs and foot left backs that are in the league at the moment, very few of them are old fashioned tackling types. Mm. They're more about wingers, more about being wingers and then being in the right defensive position yeah. rather than going and engaging the ball and winning the ball back for your team. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh but maybe we aren't giving United enough credit. They've two new uh, defenders in in the back four. That have ju- they're maybe trying to find themselves as a back four, like yeah, only true. four games in them. No, in fairness, they've only conceded four goals this season so far. So a goal a game, it's not, it's not dr- drastic by any stretch of the imagination, really. Like, no, they've only conceded one more than Liverpool. Like, yeah, you know, so like it's not the end of the world. And there's, as we said, they're just still trying to probably gel as as a back four. So maybe they'll solidify as the season goes on. And I'd say they might. I'd say they will. To be honest, like Harry Maguire had a few shaky moments, but. Yeah. He's looked great at times as well. I'm never really sold on Lindelof, to be honest about no. it. Like, you've you, you seen how wanting he was for mm. the, the Southampton's goal. Yeah. The header, like, he's... Vestergaard just made it. He, he'd soared over him. Yeah, him. absolutely soared over. By the way, how has nobody noticed that Yannick Vestergaard is Martin Skirtle in a week? <laughs> <laughs> now that you say it that is very 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 weird yeah. he's been getting away with it for months <laughs> that is brilliant that is brilliant he took his goal well he did really. yeah and he let he left Lindelof standing like and uh, Lindelof he might be a good defender in terms of on the ball and positionally he's not going to compete in the air with six foot four defenders no. you know and he was very much left wanting for, for Southampton's goal. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm not really sold on him, so it'll be interesting to, interesting to see. Like, there's a lot of people that aren't sold on Joel Matip. Mm. They say that VVD solidifies a good centre-half, can solidify another one that can, the partnership can basically elevate a mediocre player. Well, not a mediocre yeah. player. He's obviously a very good soccer player. Like, yeah. A football player for those in England. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um essentially like they can be elevated beca- because of the partnership and maybe that'll happen because I do think Harry Maguire is of that yeah. class like it's I hate this comparison with Virgil van Dijk because of the price tags it's stupid there's no point in doing it he's not of the class of Virgil van Dijk but I don't think there's a centre half on earth that probably is at the minute so but one thing I've noticed with watching uh, Harry Maguire he doesn't seem to be now I've only watched him in a few games for United and I watched him in many games for Leicester but there's no time where I remember him doing a Rio Ferdinand and shouting at a centre-back partner to get back in line mm. or calling full-backs to get into position like your yeah. your, your lead centre-back needs to take control and if he if if Harry Maguire has been brought in there at that price tag to be the man to sort out that defence then he needs to open his mouth and he needs to start bringing Lindelof in line. He needs to be keeping an eye on his fullbacks. He needs to be keeping an eye on Matic or whoever is in front of him. Yeah. You know, that's the job of 
the centre half the, the lead centre half that's a valid point because there's times you see watching Liverpool games if Klopp something illness struck him need to go to the hospital it wouldn't matter yeah Fred's van Dijk's on the field already doing his job you see him he's screaming at his teammates and they do as he says he literally just puts his arm towards Matip and does something in Matip jumps to yeah, his instructor exactly and, that's what and the all the best like. all the best centre backs have done that I remember Rio Ferdinand used to do it I remember Carragher used to do it when he was at Liverpool it's it's what you expect from a player in that position. Yeah, 100%. And maybe Maguire isn't that type of player. We'll find out as the season goes on with Man United in that back four. I think if, if Maguire is not going to be that player, then De Gea has to be that player. Mm, yeah. Because the, un- the unique position that a goalkeeper or centre-back has is they can see the entire field. Mm-hmm. Other players are looking in front of them and they can't see what's happening behind them. So the player who can see the whole field should be instructing people in front of them of potential dangers yeah agreed agreed and they do need someone to stand up now because that the back four for a couple of years now in United hasn't been has been really suspect now I know obviously they've they've shipped off a few to Italy and such and they've started to shed some of the dead weight yeah but they don't have a real defensive midfielder anymore no. Like a Matic is there, but he's not starting. Nah, Matic has probably seen his best days now already. Yeah. Like, no, they don't. Man, you maybe do they want one? Like, do, do they like, need one? Yeah, I. Pogba some very I, rarely sometimes sits there, but I just don't agree with Pogba sitting there. To be honest, if you look at any successful team in the past decade. They protect. That's they have. Uh, they have a good hold of midfielder. Exactly. With Rodri, they're trying yeah. to feed him in. Yeah. They're putting Rodri in. Maturano did it at Barcelona. You know, mm. every every top team, even Casemiro at Real Madrid. Yeah. yeah. You know, Busquets at Barcelona. You know, it, they you have to have a defensive midfielder in front of the back yeah, four. It's just true. modern football. Yeah, yeah. As right. I said at the at the start of the podcast, it's the role that, the role that McAlealy created. Especially when your when your fullbacks are more or less converted wingers and they're bombing up. Exactly, you need that bit extra bit of protection and yeah. vision. Yeah, so yeah, uh, interesting to see what United. But uh, yeah, Oli is now at the wheel of a, a kind of a slightly an engine that's starting to catch fire. A small, bit. yeah. <laughs> he needs he needs the fire he needs the fire extinguisher to come fairly soon in the form of a lot of goals and a lot of three points. Yeah, or else. There'll be a lot of inward reflection in that club and Christmas time could be a poor one for his family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the thing. He's he's always started on the back foot since yeah. he since he was he was since he became caretaker manager and that since he got since he got the permanent role, he's always had a point to prove and he's yeah. had a chip in his shoulder. So it's gonna be interesting to see if he manages, but I have a funny feeling we'll see a quickly changing manager again. Yeah, I also think he doesn't He's afraid to upset players, mm, and you doesn't. can't you can't be a manager at a top club and be afraid to upset players. Like the whole, I know every every podcast you read, every article or every podcast you listen to, every article you read, listening to us the last couple of weeks, you hear it over and over again. If a manager can't pick a player that takes penos, it's it's a bad sign. Yeah, it is. It is. There seems to be more of the friend element than yeah. the boss element, and I know Clap. Is probably a master at kind of tight roping that one. He yeah, knows but exactly what to do, but I don't think Oli has that people management skill that Klopp has. Yeah, but I uh, I, that's all very front facing from Klopp. Yeah. But I remember watching an interview with a uh, Genie Wijnaldum, and he said he's your best friend, but he's also your worst enemy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we saw 
that what happened with uh, Mamadou Sacco. Exactly. Yeah, when the, the messing started. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you can see him. He gets on to players that don't, that don't do their work. Yeah. Like, you know. He absolutely lambasted Salah at the, at the weekend before last, the third time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, not the one that Mane erupted over, but the first one. The one before that where yes, he didn't let put Firmino in. He didn't yeah. put him in and he absolutely went spare at Salah. Yeah. And it showed no one is immune. No one is above criticism. Yeah. And he didn't do it the second time, but Salah, or, um, Sadio Mane did it first Salah when he came off, you know. Yeah. So it just shows he's not afraid to have a go at anyone, even yeah. you know, God's gift to Liverpool, you know. So Absolutely. A quick word on the three promoted sides before we take a wee break. Norwich your theory has come true they're going to concede about a billion goals this season but unfortunately it's going to be a lovely celebration of football but they'll be doing it in the championship next year because they just can't defend yeah. at the level they need to it's going to be I hope they stay up I honestly do yeah, I really yeah. want them to but I just don't see them not conceding two goals a game the only thing I think that's going to save Norwich is either a massive change of ethos from the manager mm. or a change of manager Maybe you're gonna because see. It, it, with the with the with the ethos they have at the moment, they're not gonna stay in in the yeah. Premier League. No. And it's don't get me wrong, I love watching them every week yeah. no, because they play great football. They're open, expansive at both ends of the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not afraid. Yeah, they're not afraid. Yeah. So you know, there's lots of goals and lots of fun watching them. And maybe they're just here to entertain us for a season and then they're going to disappear into obscurity again with one of Delia's pies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be having you. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. They, no, I, I, I just, you couldn't have summed it up better, really. I love watching them play and I have an affinity toward the way they play. I like seeing a kind of, you know, coming out and having a go after bigger teams and taking them on. But it's going to be one that Goliath wins instead of David, unfortunately. And yeah. they, they are going to struggle if they don't change. But... Yeah, change doesn't happen quickly in the Premier League either. Lose a lot of games implementing change. It seems to me that this is the way they're going to play. Yeah, and you'll win some, you'll lose some, but you'll probably lose more than you'll win. And yeah. whether you end up seventeenth or eighteenth will probably come down to a few games. But I think yeah. it'll be eighteenth. I mean, we we're, we've eulogised about the great football they've played for the first four games of the season, but they're sitting second from bottom. Yeah, in nineteenth place, one hundred percent. Yeah, so that says it all, really. Yeah, they have, and they have the second worst goal difference. Yeah, despite having Timo Pukki, who's near top, near top of the the goal scoring, uh, po- uh, goal scoring table. So yeah. that says a lot, really. You know, it's going to be a lot of three one losses, a lot of three two losses, a lot of four nils. I say. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, Sit, sitting just above them, then is their promotion partners, Aston Villa. Eighteen place. Uh, interesting one. Um flashes. They should have gotten a draw in Selhurst Park at the yeah. weekend. That was very unlucky. Very unlucky. Did obviously beat Everton, which was a great result yeah. at home as well. Get the home fans behind them for the season. And deserved it thoroughly. Yeah. I think Villa'll stay up. I think they have a bit more about them. I think they have a bit more guile about them. I wouldn't worry about their goals conceding as much as Norwich. Yeah. And yeah, I th- I think th- I do think they'll stay up, but I think again it'll be touch and go. I don't see it being uh, a comfortable season for. Yeah, they'll probably they'll probably hover in around that nineteenth to fourteenth spot that kind of area. Yeah. Very tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what you said is very likely to happen. That home games are going to be their bread and butter. They're yeah. going to really really fight for every point at home, and whatever they can get away from home then will be a bonus type of a thing. Yeah, but um. 
I kind of feel aggrieved for them because they deserve the point at the weekend and you don't like seeing it happen to clubs that have just come up yeah. that are getting goals well, that are so blatantly goals disallowed and then checked in VAR and then not being awarded which is but it's the, it's the harsh reality of modern football and that's what VAR is there to do but I suppose look at the top of the table look at City they can feel aggrieved as well yeah, so I it mean, happens across all fronts like City are sitting two points behind Liverpool because of a goal that was ruled out by VAR yeah. that they feel very aggrieved about it's just it's modern football and we'll talk about VAR in the next section because yeah. we have a lot of opinions on VAR let's talk about the other promoted side the, who have surprised me no end actually sitting in 10th place Sheffield United oh, could they surprise you on half the team Irish come on Sean <laughs> that's probably <laughs> why they surprised yeah, me yeah absolutely <laughs> case and point why they surprised yeah. me but Enda Stevens has been having a cracker for them Callum Robinson has been in great form yeah McGoldrick obviously scored an international duty this week he's playing well enough I, I'm, they're tough enough yeah they're tough enough but I think they've been relatively flattered. They shouldn't have gotten a draw at Chelsea. That was sloppy from Chelsea. But I, I think they probably have a... Now, I might be miles off the mark on this. It's very early in the season. I think they have a better chance of staying up than Aston Villa. Go because on, I man. think they're just one of those tough nut sort of sides. Mm, yeah. They're just going to eke out draws and yeah. one nils and scrape to their 39 and a half points for yeah. the season and they're just the, yeah. I think they're the exact opposite of Norwich yeah exactly That's pretty much what they are and look maybe the proof is in the pudding they're there intent on five points Norwich have three I know there's not much of a difference there but there's nine places between them you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. that says a lot but um, I know it's only after four games but um, the trend will be downward they won't be in the top half of the table forget no. about that but I think They'll have, as you said, they're a tough, tough nut to crack. Yeah. They're that type of a team. They're not a rainy Monday night in Stoke. Yeah. Team. That's them this year. They're yeah. going to be a, They're never going to be fantastic to watch, but they're no. going to get the job done. Yeah, 100%. Is, yeah, and if, if you're four starting members of the team, Irish, you know it's going to be dirty football to watch. Like yeah. this. It's, going to, it's not going to be stylish in any way, shape, yeah, or no, form. Ireland is never going to produce a Lionel Messi. No, Let's no, look at no, it that no. way. Absolutely <laughs> not. We were talking, actually, just so, uh, kind of a a bit of a tangent with myself and a couple of lads were talking about this watching the Irish game last night obviously we're recording this on Friday so um, basically we were saying we were out watching the World Cup qualifier against Denmark last year Yeah. obviously we got hammered again but we went 1-0 up and we were in a crowded bar and literally anyone you talked to after we went 1-0 up went oh, there wasn't any joy in it it was oh no we've scored too early <laughs> you know, that's kind of the it's ingrained mentality of Irish football to be the underdog and to be the mulliker, yeah, to be the guy who battles and grinds it and has that grit, but no real flair or confidence yeah. or look or kind of positivity about the way you play, and that's probably reflected a small bit in Sheffield because of yeah. the Irish enclave that they have. I mean, I, I could probably do an entire other podcast about Irish football, but we won't on my own we won't that no one, no one outside of the Republic of Ireland would ever have any interest in listening to because <laughs> it goes down to the nitty gritty of our absolutely god awful FAI. It's and I'm incredibly I'm, corrupt for uh, people that don't know. Maybe if you're listening from abroad, you probably do know because it made international headlines. The association is so corrupt. It's beyond belief corrupt. Yeah. But we won't get into it because yeah. we'll only end up... Because we've already upset the KGB in this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't need the Irish Mafia on to us no, as well. Definitely not, definitely. And the Irish Mafia are the FAI for those that don't yeah. know. But um, yeah, it's essentially... Uh, uh, it's just crazy situation but we're moving on but Sheffield United they will be very tough not to crack this year they, I reckon they'll stay up I think there are some teams that just about stayed up last year that are more likely to go down Yeah, but who knows but it'll be tight they, yeah. I don't see any of the three that came up 
being above maybe 14th as the season goes yeah. on. Yeah, I would pretty much agree with you there. Um, let's take a little break there and then when we come back, we'll discuss the biggest signing of this year's Premier League, which mm. is the VAR referees. <laughs> Now, part three, possibly the final part. Depends on whether we're talking to each other at the end of it or not. Yeah. Um, VAR. Let's talk about VAR. Yeah, folks, if you're listening and you hear clatters and bangs, it's myself and Sean going for each other. Where this is going to be. Do you call it VAR or VAR? VAR. Yeah, I'm a VAR man as well. Because like it's just easier. Like why? Why are you going to say VAR? Like is in. It's just pointless. Like. Yeah. To me, to me, it's just it's going to become VAR, and you're seeing like if you if you make a three letter acronym with a vowel in the middle, it's gonna become, it's gonna be a word. Yeah. yeah. 100%. But um, yeah. To me, it like I love the concept, love the idea, love it. It's just it doesn't just seem to be working. It just seems to be another complication within the game. Like as we were just talking about the the Villa game at the weekend with Palace, that's a clear goal. Like as in everyone with two eyes was in agreement that's a goal should not have been disallowed and yet to go to Varen rules no goal like it, 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 to me it's just I don't know it's just perplexing and the reason this te- I know it's not perfect this isn't it's trial run it's the first year there's going to be mistakes made but there's too many mistakes made is my, is my opinion already now I don't I'm not saying scrap it absolutely not but they need to fine tune it and they need to fine tune it on an ongoing basis and not wait till the end of the season and start making decisions because it's going to it's still costing the whole reason this is brought in is so the game was more fair. Points were distributed as they should be. Games weren't being lost on the backs of bad decisions. But it's still happening. Games are still being lost on the backs of bad decisions, even though we have this technology. So it's frustrating. I'm standing, I'm sitting here literally waving a knife as I am <laughs> gesticulating here. But uh, It's a butter knife. Yeah. <laughs> Why there's a butter knife in this room, I don't know anyway. But um. Yeah, I'm tormented by it. It annoys me. It hasn't affected my club yet, so I don't really mind too much, but I'm still getting aggro about it. When it does affect my club, I'm going to be pulling my hair out. But uh, we just hope that common sense will prevail and the little kind of window is tightened so that there's less room for margin for error, which why this whole thing was brought in in the first place. It just seems to be, hasn't improved the situation all that much in my opinion. And it's annoying because I wanted to improve it, cause especially because it's split opinion down the middle so much in football. I love VAR. <sighs> yeah. I, 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 I know, I know. I, I think you just need to chill the fuck out about the whole <laughs> lot of it. I think I was really worried about the introduction of VAR, especially after the comedy of errors we had in the FA Cup last year when they when they tried to use VAR. Um, I was really worried that it was going to slow the game down. It was going to, you know, make f- football matches stop start. And you need, I like football is about action. It is. It, Premier League football, football is about, it's about starting action. off anyway. Sure. How, many, how many times is the ball? But I, I was worried that VAR was going to make it like American football. You know, which is which is is perfect for what it is. You know, you they have a play and they stop. But Premier League football, soccer is a different thing altogether. It's all action and needs to keep going. And I was worried that VAR was going to affect that and make the game stop start, and it hasn't. And I think the way they've implemented VAR has been excellent at doing that. I think VAR has to back the referee if it's a if it's not a black and white decision. Mm. The words they keep using, you, you need to read the instructions on VAR to understand. How, like everybody's like, oh my God, that's an absolute penalty. 
That's a penalty. Stop the game. Stop the game. VAR should have given that. No. If you read the rules of VAR, it's clear and obvious errors. Mm. So if a referee, if it's something like a lot of replays that on the replay you can say, yeah, that could have been a penalty. But the ref hasn't called it as a penalty. And it's that word could have been a penalty. Yeah. So VAR has to, the, the VAR referee has to say, yeah, it could have paid, been a penalty. But where VAR has to come into play was when you see a replay and go, that is a penalty. Yeah. And that's clear and obvious. So VAR is there to point out the clear and obvious mistakes, as well as that obvious red cards and foul play like that. Mm. Now, I understand that there was an issue with the goal not given for Villa. Yeah. That, that's- that's that was clear and obvious. That was clear and obvious, and there's going to be hiccups. But for the stuff, for the the penos and stuff like that, if VAR overrules everything that the referee says, what's the point in having the referee there? True, true. Just no. and and part of part of everything we love about football is this discussion, this yeah. re- this you know rhetoric between opposing fans it's a penalty it's not a penalty oh we should have won that game because of this you know it adds to the the whole theatre of it and if that's taken away and it's completely sterilised then you know what's the point I see where you're coming from but just as a a broad question does the referee I'm sorry I need to put this knife down because I'm literally waving a knife at him as I'm talking which is just it just looks ridiculous it's a very blood butter (laughs) but uh, um, he may as well be waving a lollipop stick does the ref get a buzzing or whatever in his ear saying VR is going to check the incident there for you yeah he's told he's told in his ear he's told he doesn't have the discretion to use VAR to back up and maybe something he's unsure of VAR checks everything Everything. Fire checks. There's the fire is constantly watching, yeah. and it checks every potential decision. Yeah. Uh, and is it only when something is suspect that needs to be examined if, further that it go, it buzzes hit the ref? If there is an incident that the ref doesn't blow up for, yeah, that VAR considers worth looking at, mm-hmm. the ref will get a message in his ear, and he'll stop the game then. And that's you mean you've seen it happen yeah, a couple like of times where he'll st- bit, yeah. it'll go on a bit and he'll stop it and say, and then you'll hear VAR is checking potential red card. Yeah. Yeah, I, and then you get the weird kind of 2001 so voice in the, in, in the stadium yeah. going, <laughs> VAR check complete. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I might edit that so, out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that is staying in. I can, I'm going to talk about it for the next five or ten seconds, so it has to stay in. Yeah. But no, um, basically, he's no discretion over when he, he can call upon it. It's essentially overwatching him. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I always thought that it was a two-way system of communication whereby he could also say lads I'm not 100% sure on that one no Can, well, any any time they he blows his whistle they'll check it no matter what have you so he doesn't need to call them so if he needs them to check something he's going to blow his whistle and say I have an issue do you know yeah, what I mean yeah and but they'll they'll also check everything else that's happening in the game another question for you just because I'm I'm unaware yeah is it one person no so it's a panel it's a panel yeah yeah so that way it's like a democratic decision yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. say if there's four I people, think it's three yeah, from what I know, yeah, surely an even number yeah. would just create more hassle. Exactly. No, <laughs> no. I, I think I think it's from a couple of times where I've watched games and they've had a camera in the the VAR studio. Yeah, well, yeah. Wasn't there a, a picture on Twitter there recently? Of, that was uh, it was a Russian VAR or something. Yeah, somebody delivered a takeaway. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> He's just leaning in. Yeah. But um, yeah. So it is a panel. That makes me feel more at ease with it. But 
what the hell were the, the panel doing that were watching the Villa game at the weekend before yeah. last day? <laughs> I know, I, I have to rewatch that goal, but I think not only do the viewing public need to fully understand this clear and obvious rule, mm. but I think some of the officials need to fully understand it as well. Yeah. So I think maybe what happened in that instance was the referee didn't give it as a goal. So far, we're afraid to go against them. But when it's, is it a goal? Isn't it a goal? That's a clear and obvious thing that they need to, VAR needs to award it or not award it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, that's that's enough. That's enough VAR talk for me now yeah. because you get bogged down talking about the rules of the game and you forget talking about the actual game. Is is like I would just like for it to be fine tuned more. Yes, is obviously it's a work in progress. It yeah. will get better. Yeah, maybe you just have to have a small bit of patience. It was kind of always viewed as the answer to the problems of the game that I know too many decisions being lost to human error, but obviously. There's still human error factored into it, and we probably have to take I, that into account. I think it's I think it's hilarious how short people's memory are, because <laughs> we have all the we have all these people who are going, oh, we can't be talking about VAR every week. We seem to be just talking about VAR since VAR came in. All we're doing is talking about VAR. But these are the same people who are saying last season, the season before, for forty seasons, we can't be talking about potential decisions every week. We can't be talking about is it a foul, is it not a yeah. foul every week. We, we need, need technology. We need technology. <laughs> we need technology. <laughs> So the, the the VAR decisions, the the VAR talking points are a lot less. Yeah, agree. Than, I do agree with that. Than the contentious decisions yeah. of the past. I think while we would argue somewhat on this, I think we're both in agreement that it has made the game better. Yes, absolutely. Opinion. And like your point, I take it that you don't want soccer turned into NFL. I'm, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to have to get used to me calling football soccer. It's just what you do if you're from Ireland. I'm sorry. We have a national game called Gaelic football that we call football. So it's just one of those things. It's not a derogatory or, or like kind of lessening of the game. It's just what we do. It's ingrained in us. So you're gonna have to get over it. Um, it it like the ball goes out of goes out of play dozens, what maybe 50, 60 times a game. I don't know. I haven't counted a whole yeah. football game, but it goes out like play stops a, a good bit anyway. It's not yeah. like a game that where it stays in play regularly. So it's not as if you're completely stunting the momentum of the game. You know, you're not but, dragging, you're not stopping the play as we've seen. But it the ball going out of play doesn't really stop action. It because it, it becomes a throw, which is a part of the action. It, yeah, it, no, it doesn't. But and, or, or a foul. The, the momentum of the game is interrupted when the ball goes out is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. You know, So there is those little windows of time where things can be checked and the referee can get a decision. He's not stopping play. Yeah. It, to an absolute halt and saying look we have to check this and, and the whole momentum of the game is stopped yeah. it isn't like that so I don't think people can really complain too much about that because I don't think there's much of an argument yeah. there yeah but we we agree that VAR is a positive thing definitely yes. it, has to, it has to be sure yeah. look technology like makes every single aspect of our life better bar maybe staring at your smartphone all day and becoming addicted to it yeah. obviously that's a whole for a whole different other podcast exactly. that we won't get into but technology has changed the world and it like it was far far too long before we actually introduced it to football. Hey, I got it. So, uh, <laughs> like, I, you just can't argue that if it calls playback once or twice, it, it do it. Like, when you average it out over the season, teams aren't going to be affected that much. Yeah, very, you know, so exactly. it's well worth it because... As, think, as well as that, I mean, City had a goal ruled out against Spurs mm. at the start of the season. Rightly so. Mm. Spurs took a point from that game when they could have left the stadium very aggrieved at losing the game in the last minute. You know, so VAR has fixed those issues within the game. Yeah. So, 
it's a positive. Anyway, we leave it there with our, and as it's a season so far episode, what we're going to do is review our top four and relegation three. And we'll, we'll do that throughout the season for the season Grand. so far episodes. Grand. Because That's we know more about the teams at this point. After four games, we're a lot more tuned into what's happening with the teams in the league. So, Owen, let's talk about your top four. Are they still the same? Uh, ish. Liverpool City, obviously, one and two. That won't change. I would predict all season. I can't see myself moving from that. Uh, it's so hard to know with the third, fourth, fifth and sixth clubs because they're just all up in the air at the minute. Yeah. Oh, like, mm, probably the best back four out of those at the minute has to be Spurs. Yeah. So, as long as Kane keeps being Harry Kane and stays fit and you have Son, Eriksen, Lamella, Mora. Mora. You have the, the, that supporting squad. That should be enough for the top four. Has to be. And to me, I would love to see Leicester sneak yeah. in there but something tells like not something tells me I just have a funny feeling that they're they're un, in fairness they're unbeaten one of only three sides in the league that are unbeaten still yeah but something tells me there'll be a bit of a a, a rot there'll be a bit of a three or four games they have to have a dip with the squad yeah. they have like they, they can't well I mean I say they can't go the entire season the way they did but they did when they won the league but that was an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 for me, my top four hasn't changed. It's Liverpool and City in some order. One and two, probably City. Like, looking at it, it's going to be City first, Liverpool second, yeah. Spurs third, Arsenal fourth. That's what I reckon. Yeah. I Yeah, Arsenal, to me, looked the most likely out of, you know, yeah. Arsenal or Chelsea to get fourth. Yeah. It's but a, I would put Leicester up there with that. It's only a matter of time before... Emery eventually works out what way he's going to play those players and mm. it's going they're going to start winning games on the regular yeah I, I agree I would agree with you there go on so give me your relegation what do you think I still think Newcastle are going to get relegated so do I yeah I would agree with that I think Norwich are going to get relegated unless something drastic changes mm. and Watford yeah Watford looking trouble don't they big yeah, time yeah big I, time. I would agree with all I would agree with those three yeah and that means we're that's s- based on the, the first four games this yeah. season now anything could happen with those Watford could could sack Javi Gracia and get a new manager and change things because they have the players yeah. to play better yeah Um, that Mar- is most likely I think I think he's he's gonna go yeah to me yeah it's not looking good for him uh, like that as I said earlier on if Norwich changed their manager and changed the way they play things could change but for me, at the moment, it's Newcastle, Norwich, and Watford. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we're sp- well, we're sparing Villa and Sheffield, so which which I uh, right now would agree with. I think the one that's likely to drop down there, yeah, Brighton. I, yeah, Brighton. Oh yeah, it's Brighton are in trouble as well, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fairness, they have four points at the, but still, I I can see their that their tra- now they're sitting in sixteenth, but I can see their trajectory being downward. Like I yeah. think I. It'll be Brighton. It'll be between Brighton and Watford, I reckon. I think Norwich and Newcastle. Well, it's hard to know Newcastle. I think it's they're a funny one, but I still see it being a very poor season for Newcastle. Yeah. And the new signing, Jolinton, looks like he's capable of throwing a few hissy fits. Yeah. That would be my idea of him. I don't see him being a leader. That yeah. Wouldn't, that's very early call, and I wouldn't be casting aspersions on his character, but I can just be interested to see if that does happen. If it does, yeah. they're doomed, I reckon. Yeah, Because absolutely. he is their only real outlet of goals that I can see anyway. Now, we've uh, Matt Ritchie out for two months as well. That's a big loss for them. Yeah, that's big. You know, so I think they're, they're definitely prime candidates. Yeah, so I'd go with Newcastle, Watford, and... Yeah, I'd probably go Newcastle, Watford, maybe Brighton. 
maybe right. Brighton. Well, I'm Newcastle, not Watford and Norwich is what I'm going for. Yeah, not, is he Norwich? It's, 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 you, you've probably five candidates there to go down. It's so yeah. hard. And as we said earlier in, this, in, the, in the, the season, it's those six pointers will be, will be the difference. Yeah. It, it's if yeah, Norwich absolutely. go and beat Newcastle away. Oh, sorry, they've already, they beat Newcastle. Oh, they beat Newcastle at home. Sorry, they didn't beat them away. Like if Norwich go and beat Newcastle away, if Norwich go and beat Watford away, yeah. they're massive for It's massive for Yeah, them, absolutely. You know? so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd right. say leave it there before people start falling asleep. Yeah, well, we'll leave it there. Um, we're now available on all the podcast subscription platforms. You can get us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud. Jesus, all of them. Yeah, literally all of them. Literally Every all of them. One of them. Like, Basically, no the point I'm trying to make here is just subscribe. Keep listening to us. If you sure like. if you're listening on Apple uh, Podcast Rate, give us a rating as well. And if you want to give us a review, throw abuse at us, whatever you want to do, comments. Absolutely. We'd criticisms. love to hear from all our fans or not so fans. Yeah. Um, also, you can follow us on Twitter at Premier underscore podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Premier League po- Preview Podcast. Cool. And on our website, plpreview.com, where you'll find sometime over the next few days when I get a chance to do it you'll find details of all our subscription services (laughs) (laughs) Jesus the unprofessionalism (laughs) this is the Premier League preview podcast follow us on Twitter at Premier underscore podcast find us on Facebook under Premier League preview podcast or online at plpreview.com